Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope podcast. My name is Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days Today, we are continuing in our series, Kingdom Principles, and leading our study today is the senior pastor at Point of Hope, Mr. Stephen Gossage. Pastor, welcome. What can you teach us today? Thank you, Steve. I am so glad to be able to do this podcast with you. I enjoy doing this, and I pray that you as listeners have been blessed by our uh, series that we have been teaching about kingdom principles. And today's principle, we're talking about the third part of the lesson about humility and how that we should be, as Christians, we need to be uh, humble and that we should walk and clothe ourselves in humility. Yes. Uh, for the first episode, we did talk about um, defining what humility is and what it looks like to the to the Christian. And then we talked about the enemy of humility, which is pride. Mm-hmm. And then last podcast we talked about, last week we talked about um, where it derives from. And so today I want to talk about uh, God's blessing towards those of us that are pursuing humility so that it's not a candy stick, as it were. I mean, we don't... We shouldn't do things to receive, but it's great that he does give us something and bless us. Aren't you glad? Um, We just, you know, our goal is heaven, and that's what we're trying to do. And then we may talk about a few other things. Our our hope is to finish this lesson today. So with that said, if you don't mind, I'm going to forego reading a text, but I would direct the listener to James 4 and 10 about humble yourselves. Um. So we're talking about it. Every true believer longs to receive the blessings of God. Of course yeah. we do. We want what God can give us. Sure. Just as a child often goes out of his way to impress their parent in anticipation for a, a reward or a hug or a kiss or a toy or whatever, we as the people of God, we relish his blessings and the opportunity for us to to please us in our lives. And the greatest thing that he can bless us with is his presence, Oh man! by the way. Not his presence, not his gifts, right. but his presence. So as believers, we should desire to please God. We should desire to do the things that causes God to love what we're doing. I said in my prayer today, I said, God, let me always do the things that pleases you. Yep. He delights. The Bible says he delights in providing for our needs and blessing us. Again, First Peter 5 and 5 even uh, strengthens that that. Uh, precedent that we're talking about. James wrote, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So when we give in to the human inclination towards pride, we create a barrier between him, his presence, and us. However, humanity cannot with the lack of humility cannot purchase a blessing of God. Yeah. We don't we can't anyways, right? We right. can't bless it's all through grace. We we can't purchase what God does. It's all through grace, right? Yeah. Grace and mercy, as it were. But when we're humble, it opens us and it prepares us to receive the blessing. So we we cannot buy blessing. We cannot buy his his giftings as it were. <laughs> Scripture talks about that many people tried to buy the Holy Ghost in Acts 
I believe, towards uh, Paul, and he rebuked them and and all of that. So don't be sending your money to no TV preacher because he tells you that you're going to get a big house out of it. Send little Bobby's college fund. Yeah, don't be signing your house over. You will be healed from your bunions. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. uh, Maybe one day we'll do a series about that, false (laughs) teachers, because, man, wouldn't that be fun? Yes, and, and we'd have to. Ooh, well, maybe we'd so we wouldn't have to call out everybody. I don't know. <laughs> but listen, you can't purchase God, God doing a blessing or all that. But it opens us when we're humble. It allows us to be in that position. As I said, I think I don't know a couple of weeks ago in our podcast about if you want to be used, you got to make yourself usable. You want to yep. be blessed, blessable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, whatever you want to add there. So we need to not give in to the human inclination of pride. God has placed a premium, a high premium, in fact, on humility, placing the humble soul directly in the path of blessing, honor, and eventual exaltation. For the Bible says that, that God resisteth the proud and giveth the grace to the humble. He's going he's gonna to lift us up, as sure. it were. And so um, we read... In Matthew chapter 8 and 8 and 9, a couple of weeks ago in one of our podcasts, we talked about the Roman centurion, how that he approached Jesus. And he knew the master could answer his prayer just by saying the word. And Jesus marveled at the faith and humility of this Roman soldier. And he recognized that, the centurion rather, recognized that Jesus had the undeniable power over sickness. The centurion placed his faith completely in him, and he recognized both Jesus' authority and power, and he presented himself with an obvious humility in that moment. And because he did, the Roman received the answer to his prayer. So let's, let's let that be the segue, as it were, the dovetail, as it were, on God's ways. God's ways are a paradox to us. We don't understand this. The Bible says that it's past finding out. A paradox, that word, is a statement or idea that's true, yet seems as though it contradicts common perception. Because God's ways are higher than ours, Steve, yep. and the ways of mankind, his ways often seem something akin to paradoxical to our mindset. Jesus often made statements that seemed paradoxical. And in many ways, his very life and death seem like a paradox. But for this, the extraordinary reason for the existence of the Son of God was very paradoxical. When one considers that for him to accomplish his mission, Steve, he had to die. He died that we might, ready, have life. Mm. Jesus said it in Matthew 10 and 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. The Apostle Paul understood that paradox of the Christian life. Philippians 1 and 21, he told all the believers in Philippi, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul, later on in his message to the Corinthians, talking about and promoting the humility in his life, he said, because he died to his own Mm self-interest, he said, I die daily in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31. So even the idea of humility versus self-exaltation is a paradox. Matthew 23 and 12 says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. So let's just accept that, that God is the opposite <laughs> of our prideful ambition. Yeah. Because God will bring down the exalted. Proverbs 6 
16 through 17 said, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And one of those is a proud look. Isaiah 2 and 11 said, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. The Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. So God will bring down those that are exalted or exalt themselves. In fact, I don't want to get into it, but there are stories after story, and I'm thinking one in particular about Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament, that Babylonian uh, uh, king, as it were. He looked out over his um, dominion, as it were, and created a big statue, and he looked out and said, oh, I've brought this. Mm not knowing that it was prophesied because of Israel's repeated shame and sin that got them into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar took it upon himself to say that I did it. And what God did, he slapped him with a mindset of a cow. (laughs) The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was out in the field grazing. Can you imagine this naked man that used to be your king? Where's King Nebuchadnezzar if he came from another country to kind of honor him and all that, oh, he's out there, out there in the field. He's grazing because he thinks he's a cow. And Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of all that, when he woke up to himself, he said, oh, my goodness, I messed up. Yeah. Because why? Because God has a way of, of taking down the exalted. Yes, but at the does. same time, Steve, what God does is that God lifts up the humble. Luke chapter 14, 8 through 11, and I love this. When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man that thou be hit be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. Jesus used that simple parable to teach about both humility and honor. All right, so break that down for me. Sure. Put that into some, some English that our listeners who maybe aren't as versed in the King James can understand that. Sure. So, so what that is, basically, it's... it's let me just describe what Jesus was talking about. Yeah, please. There's a story. I mean, there's there's a big. How about it's a great big service. It's a it's no. It's a great big banquet. Okay. And you come in. You get your ticket. You're in your tuxedo, whatever it is. You're in your nice dress, whatever. And you come and and they say, go ahead and pick you a seat anywhere in the house. Anywhere because, you want. Because you're part of it. We've invited you and. and and instead of going to a regular place like other people do, you begin to look at yourself in a place to where, well, I'm looking pretty smooth tonight, and um, I got a, I got a special connection with the guest of honor. I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to sit in the high tables over there, up in the front with all the extra blessings and all the different wait staff, uh, and I don't want to be back here. So if I get to choose, I'm going to go and do the thing that is something that blesses me. Jesus said, why don't you do this? Instead of thinking in that way, why don't you? Because you don't want me to have to send somebody to say, hey, excuse me, you're taking somebody else's seat. Why don't you go back there in the back and sit back there by the janitor? Um, 
it's better for you to sit into the lower seats, as it were, and that somebody would say, "Hey, listen, we don't. What, what are you doing back here? We didn't mean for you to be by the by the restroom. We need for you to the door. <laughs> we want to bring you up to the front. And how much greater is that when God does that? And that, that I don't know if that makes any sense. That but does. That's a example that that we can take to heart and probably have experienced over our life. <laughs> but God lifts up the humble. He used that simple parable to teach about humility and honor, as I said just a minute ago. So vain and willful attitudes will never win the favor of God. When we come to God, in fact, the Bible says that when you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Yeah, he is. And so we don't come to God in, in, on a place of equality. We come with the proverbial hat in hand because we recognize God is the one that sets us up and lifts us up. Lifts us up. It's a concept that's across the Word of God, Psalms 51, Isaiah 57, Isaiah 66. God always will lift up the humble. So with that said, I'd like to get into this about what humility does. So we've talked about what uh, uh, humility is and how it's defined. Then we talked about the enemy of humility, which is pride and where it comes from. And then we talked about right just now about why it's important, why God does this and and the 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 application of humbleness and how God lifts up and he takes down. Let's talk about what humility does in us. It does three things, and I like having a number to it. If you haven't listened to our podcast, you'll learn if you listen long enough. I always like to do it a practical application on what it does. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be just pie-in-the-sky theology. I want, to do, I want us to see it, that how that it applies to ourselves. Sure. Because humility works within the heart of mankind, and it keeps us, it keeps check our unregenerate selves. Humility opens the door to allow God and his grace and mercy to operate within the life of a believer. As I've said already, and I've referenced it, First Peter 5, 5 and 6, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and give the grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So the first thing what humility does in us is that humility reflects the Spirit of Christ. Every one of us that profane, profane, profess, I should say, <laughs> profess ourselves to be Christian, we need to reflect the Spirit of Christ. Yep. A person can reflect his Spirit only when he exhibits the essence and the character of the Savior. In other words, we can't really be, we can't show him unless we're more like him. Duh, right? Yep. During Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus walked. He displayed his, During his walk in his ministry, he displayed a spirit of love, and he had a genuine concern, and he walked in humility as he did it. There was nothing artificial about him. There was nothing artificial about the character of the one in whom the fullness of God was manifested in. He was, yeah. he was God wrapped in flesh. I think that drew a lot of people to his ministry. Absolutely. Yeah. I, the humility of it, yes. Drew, yes, because that made him approachable. Well, think about your own life. I mean, we all, when we pick and choose who we want to be around, I mean, we, we all gravitate to certain people, and it's generally sure. not the arrogant braggart. No, right. No, right, because, <laughs> you're right. Now just say that. I'll leave it <laughs> at that. Yeah. Um, when it came to humility, there's just no such thing as a facade. Actors, they, can, they learn to do this. They project 
mm-hmm. and we project because it's a self mechanism. You know, it's a protecting mechanism um, because it can be learned. In other words, humbleness or the facade of it can be learned. But when, I mean, overall, when you're around somebody, you'll know if it's a facade or oh, not. Yeah. So when we have a true heart of humility, if we reflect Jesus to our world, it will show as well. And how wonderful would it be to be the example of Jesus Christ to somebody, especially when we see him face to face in that great day. And we'll look at him. He'll be like looking in the mirror, hopefully. Oh, I pray. So humility reflects the spirit of Christ to others. As we're humble, we represent Jesus. The second thing Humility presents a spiritual example for all of humanity from which to live by. Um, We as people, we develop opinions of others in the first few moments, as they say. When we have in that initial meeting, it's called first impressions. Salespersons often close or lose a sale based on the first five minutes of their presentation. It's true. It is true. It's almost impossible, though, for an individual to recover from making a bad first impression. Man, so tough. <laughs> and I've been on both sides of that, where I've made a good impression and others where I haven't. And there's there's have. relationships I haven't worked that I've never recovered. Sure, and we've all been that way. Yep. So when we consider that thing, it's vital that believers would make a strong, positive impression on unbelievers every time that they meet them so that they may influence them for the lost mm-hmm. or from being lost unto a relationship with Jesus. And since we only have a short time to influence the lost and help them see Jesus in us, then we must take advantage of it at all times. There's just no time to really take off, uh, take off time from being not Jesus that day. Yeah, that's true. And, when, you know, I, I pray a lot on my way into work. Yeah. You know, and one of the things I pray for is to, uh, to let me minister to someone today. You know, give me those opportunities. And then when you do, Lord, please give me the words to say. Well... <laughs> So that's that's humility. That's yeah. that's you're working on humility. I'm that's, that's a great thing. Yeah, me too. None of us are the example, perfect example of humility. Genuine humility works, and it presents a spiritual example to other people. It works in tandem with the fruit of the spirit. It showcases the power of God within us. Uh, there was a writer. I think you can appreciate this. His name was Murray Andrew Murray. He wrote in a book that he titled Humility. In the book, Murray stated this. I'd like to read this. It's easy to think we humble ourselves before God, yet humility toward men will be the only sufficient proof that our humility before God is real. Mm. That's good. That is good. He goes on to say, it will be the only proof that humility has taken up its abode in us and become our very nature, that we actually, like Christ, have made ourselves of no reputation. It's even a scriptural thing there. So, well, I think it's easier to be humble to God because I can do that in private. Nobody, you know, I don't, I don't risk losing face or anything like that mm-hmm. when I'm in the prayer room by myself. But man, sometimes showing that to someone else, yeah, right. And so, what we need to do is that when we show when when we're in that time of prayer, it it better reflect in how we have our relationship with human other people. Mm-hmm. In other words. Because if it's not, it's not going to reflect. Um, I don't know if it's a an idea of mentoring. I don't know, but much. I'm big on mentoring, by the way. Um, but much is taught. There's books and books and books that talk about mentoring others and all that. I think Jesus gave the primary lesson on the 
mentoring of humility sure. in individuals when he clearly directed in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He said this. He said, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, mm-hmm. for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. What better way, Steve, to learn humility could there be from learn it than to learn it from the master? Yeah. Psalms 25 and 9 says, the meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All right, so so finally, there's this, um, what humility does. This is a big one. Humility wins God's favor. Proverbs 22 and 4 references, and it states that humility will win God's favor. It's evident throughout all the scriptures that God intended to exalt and reward the humble. It's just, it's a parenthetical concept. It's applied throughout the word. Many verses, they make clear that God's desire for humility in mankind and his rejection of those that are defiant or proud. Let me give you several scriptures here because, again, we know what truth is when it backs itself up. Sure. Psalms 147 and 6 says, The Lord lifted up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. Psalms 9 and 12, He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Proverbs 22 and 4, But humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Isaiah 29 and 19, The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Matthew 5 and 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. James 4 and 6, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. For those who desire to please God, if you want to please God, listener, and you want to see his blessing upon your life, you'll resist that human tendency towards your own self-will and your own stinking desire to, to exalt yourself, and you'll begin to rely on Jesus so that he may cultivate that spirit of humility within our heart. And so just to put a bow on this, the part three of this lesson, believers, you and I, we possess every tool necessary at, to, to perfect our own flagging, mistake-prone, filled human spirit. We do this by we endeavoring, intentional, putting on Christ. Yeah. When we emulate Jesus, we are putting on Christ. Uh, With the great example of humility, Jesus has put within us the example that he made and showed us in his word throughout his life and ministry. So you asked a question a couple weeks ago on our podcast about, you know, how do I know? Where can I get in that place? I, I think it was. You know, it's when we get into the garden. Jesus found out what the will of God was when he prayed in the garden. When he told the others, he said, suffer the little children to come unto me. He consistently portrayed a spirit that was humble, meek, and lowly. And from the smallest to the greatest disciple, the lesson of humility be exhibited in such a way that it gives us no excuse to live in any other way outside of a life of humility. Because living one of fleshly pride, being a being a representative of, of Satan. It's not going to do what we're called to do as far as re- making people reflect on their own lives and then in turn reflecting on 
what can I do to be more like Jesus or to make heaven my home? So the message of, of humility says if you want to win, if you want to get in that place, it goes to the, that paradoxical uh, foundation that I was talking about earlier in this podcast. Yeah. That if you want to win, you got to lose. If you want to, you got to, you want to have life, you want to, ha- you, you got to take up your cross. And so it's, it's going to be a challenge, saint of God. It's going to be a challenge, listener, to do these things. But when you do them, I promise you, you'll begin to see more of God in your life than you ever have before. And that's what I have today. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of what we teach and, and preach here in this podcast and in this church, it, it's hard. It sure. sounds hard. Sure. It's hard to live. And you will struggle with how, how can I do it and how am I going to be able to do this? And that's where it gets you. It's not you. It's not you. Right. And once you recognize that, that you need the Lord to help you and that Jesus is the way, it, it, does, there it, is. it really does get easier. And there it is. And you just said it. That's exactly right. And I, and I echo that. Amen you. You're not, it's hard. It is hard. Yes. But you don't do it by yourself. You don't. You do it by exposing yourself to the Word of God, the presence of God, and the people of God. Yep. And then in turn, God begins to work on you and groom you and help you and take off, prune you. That's a good word. Prune you. Yes. Take those dead things off of your life and let the life that's within come out. Because so. there's so much that has to come down. You know, you can't put new wine in old vessels. That's right. So there's your little bit of the word. <laughs> and aren't you glad? Yeah. So that's all the time we have for this study today. I pray this was a blessing for you. And that you will join us as we continue to study God's Word. You can find this and all of our episodes at pohpodcast.com, along with links to your favorite streaming platforms. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and enable notifications so you don't miss a single episode. And please send a link to a friend. Share this on social media. Like our Point of Hope Facebook page. Find the Point of Hope podcast on YouTube. If you just want to listen to it there. But if you have any questions or comments, please email them to pohcontent at gmail.com and we will respond as we are able. Thank you, Pastor, for leading us today. Thank you. And thank you all for listening.